Hello everyone, Don here. Uh, welcome to Friday Night Stripes, and today we've got Mark Bradley from Colorado with us. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Don. I really appreciate this opportunity. Oh, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, we, we've been talking beforehand, and I think we're going to have an excellent discussion here. Um, so, so, Mark, talk a little bit about uh, what your, your, your officiating start, how you got started in it, and, and your, your pathway and your journey so far. So I am a retired Air Force officer, retired in 2011. And before I retired, um, here in Colorado, my son played football. And um, we started at uh, middle school here and then went down to Florida. And a funny anecdote, when I, I was trying to figure out what school my son would go to, and I called the office and I said, do you have football? And she <laughs> said, son, this is the South. <laughs> and so went down and uh, enjoyed watching my son play football. And then he graduated in the early 2000s. And I'm sure like a lot of other men and women that officiate, I wanted to stay connected to the game. Sure. So I was still active duty. I went to Korea for a couple of years. And when I came back, went to a high school football game, begged my way onto the chain crew and talked to the linesman and said, how can I get started? And ended up uh, starting the next year. And I've been officiating now for 12 years. I'm a crew chief and uh, was an area director for a couple of years as well. Um, but really enjoy the fall and enjoy being on the field and uh, enjoy especially the camaraderie of working with other men and just feeling as, as we're part of a group that is doing, doing something together. Sure. Sure. Well, well, thank you. Thank, thank you for your service, first off, in the Air Force. And, uh, oh, you're and, welcome. And, and thank you, certainly, for, for coming on. Um, so what, what, um, what we're trying to do, we're, uh, I'm, I'm trying to redirect the focus of the podcast. In the past, we talk a little bit about, you know, very generic topics. But I think uh, we're going to change the focus and start to really focus in on topics every uh, every episode. And then that way, it's a good refresher for people if they want to listen to something. Um, and, and hopefully it's a, it's a good benefit for that. So to that end, um, would you mind talking a little bit about your, your involvement with Referee Magazine? So I've had the pleasure of being under a couple of amazing mentors. And just as an aside, if anyone is listening to your podcast and doesn't have a mentor, I would beg them to find one, sure. find a, a man who they, they respect and, um, and basically spend time talking with that person, emailing, uh, take the person out to lunch every once in a while. But one of my mentors is George Demetrio, who is the author of the Reading Study Guide. Sure. And I have had the opportunity to, to be under the shepherding of a couple of amazing officials. Um, so George writes regularly for Referee Magazine, and I, I, ma I majored, believe it or not, in physical education in college, and then in um, I'm a space operations guy in the Air Force, so that's that's what I do right now. Mm -hmm. But I minored in English, so I've always loved to write. Sure, I've loved to read, and so in, in reading Referee Magazine, I thought, wow, I I'd love to contribute. I have some ideas and. So working with George and then working with Referee, I've had a chance to publish probably four or five articles now. 
Sure. Well, well, that's great. Uh, I I know I I treat Referee Magazine as as a huge resource for learning. Uh, I I look forward every month when it comes. I I crack it right open and I go through all those all those different scenarios. Um, and and it's just, it's eye opening to go through the scenarios and then the articles themselves are are usually very good in, in helping you think broader about a, a certain aspect. Um, so that's uh, referee magazine to me is a huge resource for for getting better at what we do. And also, and I, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but the uh, there's a couple of great Facebook sites and i think that's how you and i connected yep um i would just encourage officials not not to officiate in a vacuum yes not not to try to do it themselves but be connected to someone or connected to a group um very few of us excel with just personal self-study so many of us we get better because we interact with other people for sure, and 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 uh, I try to mention that Facebook group as much as I can because it's it's been a it's been an excellent resource as well. Again, not only for for case studies, um, case plays, but uh, just general discussion. How do you handle this? What do you do in this scenario? Things like that. Um, it, it's been it's been a good discussion to see all sorts of different aspects of it. And of course, with with any uh, public forum, you want to take everything that's being said with a grain of salt. Run it through your own filter. Um, make sure it's making sense because not not all the information is 100 percent accurate um, but but for usually if it's not accurate on that group somebody's going to point it out um, and yes. usually multiple somebody's <laughs> yes yes and I, I appreciate I appreciate the the respect that that people have for each other also for sure um, you know social media can be a place where there are a bunch of trolls and flamers but I I have found that that the people that that inhabit these Facebook groups that that I connect with are fairly respectful to each other. For sure. So, Mark, in our, in our discussions back and forth before we got on today, we were talking about um, various things you've done, and one of the things you've done is you've written a book uh, on how to become a sports official. Can you t- talk a little bit about that? So, this is kind of a just something I wanted to do for a while, and my son, who is. Um, He's a graphic designer and is really good at putting things together and editing. Um, we decided to do this together. And gentleman uh, Randy Campbell, who worked the Notre Dame-Alabama championship game as a wing uh, from Colorado Springs, I took him to lunch and asked him if he would do the foreword for my book. So he gave me some words, and I think his foreword is probably worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> but I just wanted to... I remember when I was a rookie, after my rookie year, I put together some feedback to the veteran officials, to the leadership in our association. Um, Being a military guy, I'm big on debrief, I'm big on feedback. And so this is basically my brains in a book. Sure. So it's a little over 100 pages, so I don't don't have a lot of brains, I guess. But (laughs) this is a compilation of a lot of guys that have mentored me. including George Demetrio, who's the, the Reading Study Guide author, and uh, Mark Van Gampler, who is, is a, a multiple-time state championship basketball and football official, and then a gentleman named Ray Lutz, who passed away, unfortunately, uh, just recently, who was, was an icon in Colorado for officiating. A lot of these gentlemen, I just 
recorded everything that I learned from them and put it into a book. So I, I would hope that this book would be valuable to especially your younger officials. Sure. Um, maybe they don't have a strong association. Maybe they don't have a mentor. And this is just kind of a compilation of, of a lot that I learned. All right, very good, and we'll put the uh, we'll put a link in the uh, show notes for the for this book, uh, so people can reference that as well. But again, it's how to become a sports official. Uh, author's name is Mark Bradley, and it's uh, right there on Amazon. So if you type how to become a sports official on Amazon, it'll pop right up. Very good. I appreciate that, Don. Thank you. Yeah. What I, the the segment I think we're going to work on today? Um, we've talked about it before before uh, we got on here and we exchanged a couple emails going over a few plays. I think we're going to focus on scrimmage kicks today um, and, and specifically punts. Um, of course, some a lot of what we're talking about might apply to a, a field goal as well, but most likely not um, unless we get into a different discussion on, on some things. But as, as is said, at least in, in our association, a field goal is a punt until it goes through the uh, uprights. Um, right. So uh, that's uh, that's usually how I think about it. So um, the first scenario we that 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 I came up to talk about, and, and the way I wanted to handle this, I think, was I wanted to um, present the scenario. I wanted to turn around and then talk about how that should be reflected or, or how that should be reported to the referee um, if there's something to report to the referee. Um, and then we'll talk about all the different rules behind that and, and all the different things that go into making up that decision. Um, does that make sense to you, Mark? Absolutely. Sounds good. All right. Great. So the, the first one we came up with, and these are going to try, uh, try to start easy and we're going to get more complicated as we go. Um, the first one is we've got fourth down and four at the uh, K39. Uh, we have K punting the ball. Uh, before the kick, R80 holds K5. R1 signals for a fair catch while the ball is in the air and makes the catch at the R30. So what we've got is we've got a punt, we've got a hold by the receiving team during the punt, and then we've got a fair catch. So this is... So what I said is I, I was going to do is I was going to do like I reported to like I would report to the referee. So what I would do is I'd come in and I'd say the, the result of the play is a fair catch at the R30. But uh, during the kick we had a hold by R80. Or I wouldn't say R. We had a hold by 80 on the receiving team. Uh, at the uh, it really doesn't matter, but I'll, it's where my flag would have been. Um, up where my flag is. And uh, I believe I would even try to contribute what I think the enforcement would be. So I would say, due to PSK enforcement, we're going to enforce the hold at the end of the kick. So that's essentially the result, result of this, is we've got all the classic scenarios of um, PSK enforcement here. Uh, so let's, if, if you don't mind, let's go over PSK, because I think that would be a... a that, that would it's good to go over the five elements that make up PSK. Um, so let me pull that up real quick. So while you're doing that, I yeah. love I love some of the components of what you said because as a referee, um, it is true 
that if the referee is doing his job, he has no often has no idea what happened at the end of the kick. Right. And so that's one of the things that I have found that sometimes the back judge or one of the wings might miss is what happened. You're telling me there was a hold or you're telling me there was some kind of a foul, but I have no idea who, who has the ball right now. Right. So right. I'd love, I love that. And then the second part I would say is during your pregame, talk as a crew as to how you're going to identify the teams because some white hats don't like to use colors. Right. So they, they may say, I want you to say the team name like Liberty, or I want you to say um, Pine Creek. I want you to use the team name. Do sure. not use the color. Okay. So that's, that's good in a pregame is when you're talking about kicking plays, even to get into those nuances, into those details of, what words are you going to use? Right, right, and that that that's ex- that's an excellent point because I, I know I've come across a few. It, it varies based on the referee, and it sounds like in in Colorado, do you all run with the same crew throughout the season, or do you have different uh, officials each game? Yes, we we do run with the same crew. We okay. have uh, in in Colorado Springs, we have eight crews with approximately a hundred officials. And so I, I've had the pleasure over the last couple of years of having at least, if not more than 10 really good officials where I could make two varsity crews for each, like on a Friday night, I could have two solid varsity crews. Sure. Um, some, you know, and as, as you know, and I'm sure this is going to be either has been or will be a future podcast is uh, official retention. Right. Um, but, but some, some crews don't enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, in, in our association, we, we do not have crews. Um, we have different officials on each game. Um, and, and, and there's benefits to both. I, I like seeing different officials. Um, it, it's given me a, a broad spectrum of people to learn from. Um, but sure. then, then at the end, the other side is there's less consistency. So you have to find your own consistency in there. Right. So, right. Um, on the on the play scenario we had, um, we were talking about PSK enforcement, and PSK only comes into effect in f- with five. There are five criteria that have to be met. Um, actually, six. I'm going to say because first, it's got to be a foul by the receiving team, um, and then it's got it has to be during scrimmage kick plays, other than a try or a successful field goal. Um, it has to be during a scrimmage kick play in which the ball crosses the expanded neutral zone, which is important because if the ball is blocked behind it, we will and and stays behind it, we will no longer have um, PSK enforcement. Um, it it has to be beyond the expanded neutral zone. The foul has to have occurred before the end of the kick, which. There are many definitions of the end of the kick, but it's usually when the ball is caught, when the ball's out of bounds, things like that. Um, and the final one, and this is where it trips people up sometimes, is that K will not be the next one to put the ball into play. So you can't have a PSK enforcement if uh, K recovers a muffed punt, uh, right. for example. And I think we're going to come up to that later. Uh, that might be in one of our scenarios. So um, in this simple scenario, we had 
a kick. We had a hold during the kick. We had a fair catch. So all, all the components of PSK enforcement are there. We're just simply going to enforce um, 10 yards from the end of the run. Um, I'm sorry, the end of the kick. Not Yeah, the end of the kick, not the end of the run. Um, so in this case, the, the fair catch was made at the R30. So we're going to have first and 10 from the R20. And that's that's pretty much um, how it goes. How, what have you seen as far as post scrimmage kick enforcement? Have you seen anything specific uh, trip people up? Yes. Well, the the first thing is, um, and this may be another rabbit trail, but I think officials need to do a better job knowing where in the rule book certain facts are found. Sure. So you read line by line out of Rule Two. So you can look in Rule 2, Section 16, and um, Section H, so 216H. Sometimes you find rules about kicking in Rule 6 because that's that's kicking the ball and yep. fair catch. Yep. And then others you find in Rule 9, and then mm-hmm. others in Rule 10. So I would say, um, unfortunately, from my experience, there are certain rule types that our officials are are not really savvy about and they for example a momentum exception or scrimmage kicks so one of the things that that we head up in lock is all five officials or six or seven the number of officials on the crew have to believe it's their responsibility to get penalty enforcement right right um it's not just the white hat it's not just the white hat and the umpire and the each official has to say, I I need to know the foul, I need to know the enforcement, and then I need to, as a crew, mark off the foul correctly. So in my in my experience, we've had we've had even in playoff games, um, and and when I say my experience, luckily not my crew, but where where k has kicked the ball and r has fouled and they've just given the foul to k and k got a first down and they went on and scored the game-winning touchdown sure so i i think one of the things is to know the rules that it it sounds simple but don't don't be the person who thinks because i don't have the white hat on my head i i don't need to pay attention for sure um even referees will will head up in lock occasionally and I've had times on the field where I just, I go blank and yep. I have to turn to my umpire and say, what's, what's that signal for illegal touching again? <laughs> right. Because I just, I just, I blank on it. Um, so I would, I would say the, the big problem with PSK enforcement candidly is the, the lack of understanding about the foul, sure. the lack of understanding about, um, when when R fouls and the ball, like you said, the ball crosses the neutral zone and R fouls and it's during the, the kick that um, it, it's not just giving giving the yardage to K and then moving on. Right. right. Nope, that's, uh, uh, that's absolutely true about knowing the enforcement. Um, this is outside of post-scrimmage kick and I've talked about it before, but I had a situation in a game where we had um, we had an interception with um, a foul by the offense uh, before the interception and a foul by the defense after the interception. 
and I did not know the rule well enough to speak up when the referee and umpire both were like, okay, we have two live ball fouls, we're going to offset and, and uh, replay the down. Um, and, and I would have had to have been real solid in my knowledge because these were very right. experienced officials. Um, that, that it would have been hard for me to go, no, that's uh, our got it with clean hands. They need to hold on right. to that one. So, um, right. now, now it's not one I'm ever going to forget again, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So uh, fortunately I don't think any, um, the, t- the, the offense didn't end up going on and scoring, but the defense should have had the ball in a better position than they had it. Sure. So, all right. So let's move on to the next scenario regarding, um, punts. So the next one we're going to, we're going to, complicated a little um we've still got fourth and four from the k39 k punts the ball um on this and and again r80 is going to hold k5 during the kick r1 signals for a fair catch this time r muffs the kick and k88 recovers the muff at the r35 So again, I'm going to come in and I'm going to say the result of the play is a muffed punt by the receiving team. The kicking team recovered it at the 35. Uh, During the kick, we had a hold by R80 up where my flag is. However, because we don't have PSK enforcement, K is going to have the ball where they recovered it. And we're going to move on from there. And that's, that's that last scenario we talked to that, that, uh, we, we were talking about where that last criteria of PSK enforcement is that K's not the one that's going to um, put the ball into play. So at this point, um, it's declined by rule, I believe, right? Yes, that yes. is correct. So the, the hold is declined by rule, and we just move on. K gets the ball, the, the R35, and, and there's not a whole lot there. Um so I, I don't know if you had anything to add to that one. That one's pretty straightforward and pretty much goes over the same things we were talking about there. So the the only thing I'd like to add is that, excuse me, when I was a young Air Force officer, I was a missile launch officer. So checklists were a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, intercontinental ballistic missile alert, 60 feet underground in North Dakota. Sure. And you had to know your craft and you had to know all of the steps. And I think one of the things that you keep bringing up is you are systematically going through the conversation about what just happened. Right. And it, it, it makes it, it makes it more clear because you're saying the same thing in order each time. Right. And I think as crews and as officials, and this is why a good pregame is important is to have the white hat say, when you report a foul, this is how I want you to say it. And when we think about foul and penalty enforcement, we have our tools in our toolkit and we pull them out in the same order each time. Right. Um, and that's what you keep doing when we're talking on this podcast is you're pulling your tools out in the same order each time. And you, you started with the result of the play. And that way, the white hat, his his mind is clear, and he's saying, "Okay, now I understand," because it matters that K recovered the muff instead of R recovering the muff. Yep. Yep. 
And and I'll I'll be a hundred percent transparent. I'm actually do I, I actually started going down this road and refocusing because I think this is good for me. Um, I know my foul reporting to to referees can get better. And I tell you what, after doing this for the next twenty weeks, that first week I'm going to be reporting that that referee's going to be. Uh, like okay great thank you for reporting it that way (laughs) sure Um, it does take an extra few seconds to go through all that Um, but I think that's time well spent and it it prevents mistakes or it it helps to prevent mistakes it won't always prevent a mistake but it'll help Um, it'll help give all the information that's necessary so the um the next one's going to be more complicated, and it's one you don't see a whole lot, but I, I've seen it a couple times, so I wanted to throw it in there because I, I think it's important to understand where where this scenario happens. So we're going to go with the same situation. So we've got the punt, we've got the hold, we've got the muff. Um, during all of that, while the ball is on the ground rolling around before K recovers it, the back judge blows his whistle. And he blew his whistle because he was anticipating the fair catch. So, ball... This was my very first inadvertent whistle I ever had. <laughs> of course. And it was during a playoff game, and I blew my whistle thinking I was protecting the receiver. And as the ball arrived, and <laughs> it, the ball squirted through, and by God's grace, the receiver fell on it. So the kicking team did not recover it, but we had to replay the down. Sure. And it's it's just not it, it's not a good thing. No, no, it's not. It, it's not. And and, and that, that 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 that's why I wanted to go over this one because I think it happens enough that I want everybody to be aware of the inadvertent whistle rule on punts. Um, so what what we've got here is. So again, I'm going to come to the, uh, hopefully I wasn't the back judge, but I'll say I was the back judge on this one. Um, I'll I'll come in and I'll say, okay, result of the play is an inadvertent whistle uh, while the ball was loose after a muffed punt. Therefore, K did not possess the muffed punt before the inadvertent whistle. So we're going to come back and replay the down. However... We had a hold by R80 where my flag is. So we're going to enforce the penalty against the receiving team from that spot. And that actually becomes a first down for the kicking team. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that right there is, is one where if you're on that coach's sideline, that's not going to be fun. Um, because in the scenario we just built, they had recovered the muff punt. I'm sorry, you're you're okay being on K sideline. It's our sideline. You're not gonna want to be on. Right. Um, but either way, they, it looked like they were gonna lose the ball. So, um, but yeah, that that's that's one of those things that it's it's the knowledge of the inadvertent whistle. What what do we do in each scenario when the inadvertent whistle happens? So, in this case, we had a we had a loose ball. Um, there was no possession, so we're going to replay the down. There was a penalty. We're going to force that pr- from the previous spot. Um, we were going to replay the down, but because the enforcement caused the ball to go across the line to gain, we, we have a first down. So um, 
My, I'll tell you what, my, the most of the time where I get my inadvertent whistles and, and I've gotten a lot better at this. And now that I said this, I'm jinxing myself, but hopefully it's, it's early enough that before the season that I'll, I won't have jinxed myself. Uh, my, my, my mistake, at least when in my early years was blowing the whistle on when the quarterback would fumble the ball and fall on it. Um, and I was in that mode of got to protect the quarterback. I, I got to blow the whistle. He's got the ball. Oh, wait, there goes the ball. And I already blew my whistle. Um, and I had a referee look at me once like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and we, we, we talked about it after, uh, after the play. He's like, that's never your whistle. I'm literally standing on top of it. So that always has to be my whistle. Um, sure. So, um, but, but yeah, so I think, I think that's a that's good one to go over and and to understand the um, the the procedures for inadvertent whistles and for the listeners out there um, all these rule references and all the different rules we're picking out those are going to be in the show notes on the website so if you go to FridayNightStripes.com for this episode uh, you'll see all the different rules references that we're talking about and um, if somebody is following along it's rule four. Section two, Article three, for inadvertent whistle. I would, I would highly remen- uh, recommend that when people follow along in your future podcast, they have that rule book in their hands. For sure, for sure. And then Maybe. as you're having the discussion, they're flipping through and they're finding the rule as quickly as they possibly can because when you know where the rule is in the rule book, it becomes more familiar. For sure, and and that's I think I'll introduce that. Um, into into future episodes where where as we're talking about i'll say okay before we start the discussion after we read the play and the result before we start the discussion i'll say this is rule um like we're talking about um the psk enforcement that's 2162 h5 Um, that's that's where we talk about k being the next to put the ball in play so one last one that you brought up that i wanted to hit um and and this. So can I make? Can yeah, I make go one ahead, comment please. Before we move on, um, yeah. I think sometimes as officials, we sometimes want to interpret rules yep. instead of being a an objective arbiter. And so it's funny because on on the website on Facebook, sometimes you'll hear people respond to a rule reference and they'll say, "Well, I don't really know what the rule is, but I think." this is the best way to adjudicate or i think this is this is how it should go and unfortunately with the last situation um you have to look at the rule book and you have to see this is the objective way to adjudicate what just happened for sure and even though k gets the ball and that's a very bad thing that's how it has to go down so we need to get out of we have rules interpreters there's one person in each state who gets to be the state rules interpreter. And there are certain rules where we do need an interpretation, but in most cases the rule is written well enough for us not to interpret, but to adjudicate. For sure. And and that that's very well said. And I the the other part of this and, and a couple episodes ago we, we talked uh, I talked with someone about rule two. Um, that's also very important is to understand the definitions of all the words within that rule. So here we are in, um, we'll say in any of the rules, 
a lot of the words are be are defined back in rule two, like a muff. What is technically a muff? And when does right. a muff end? And when does a fumble end? And things like that. And the, the knowing those definitions is, is critically important. Absolutely. So the last one I wanted to bring up is, is one that, that you brought up and, and I wanted to, to, to talk about it because it's important to understand. So we're going to change the scenario. We've still got a punt. We're going to say same area. doesn't really matter. The punt, when the, when the kicker kicks it, the ball goes straight up in the air. Not straight up, but, you know, it's, it's way high in the air. It's maybe five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. We're going to say beyond. Um, so we've got an actual punt here. Um, ball's five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And one of the upbacks sees it and starts to run up to it. And in the meantime, and, and he's, he's clearly attempting to make an effort to field the punt. Um, in the meantime, one of the gunners hits this up back, not just as because he thinks he's coming up to block him. Um, so in that case, what, what do we have there, Mark? That would be kick-catching interference. Absolutely. And in our pregame... We always talk about kick catching interference because it is kick catching interference is interfering with the receiver's opportunity to touch the ball. Right. So it doesn't even have to be caught. Um, and that could even include the kicking team member standing stationary, but in the line between where the receiver needs to go to, to get to the ball. For sure, and I know in my experience when I was when I was a younger official and I was a wing, I completely missed some kick catching interference as a wing when the ball was kicked high like you described, and I wasn't paying attention to because everybody's milling around, right? You know, it, the ball's kicked up and nobody knows where it is, or only a few players do kick-catching interference still applies, and you can still have someone panic and attempt to, you know, catch the ball or attempt to uh, block someone, as, as you mentioned, uh, or just standing around not knowing what to do because the ball's not booted deep like normally happens. Um, so I think the wings as well as the back judge need to be cognizant of what can happen during a kick, you know, first touching. We haven't sure. even just. We're not going to talk about this, that in the podcast, but that's a huge deal. Yeah, it is. Um, and and kick catching interference. So that's something again in the pregame, and also in the, just in the mindset that an official has preparing themselves himself, mentally for each particular play. Right. Um, Greg Burks, who's from Colorado Springs, who is now retired, but was a a, a white hat that did a championship game, um, he came and talked to us, and he said before snaps he would he would kind of have this, and I think Ed Hockley may have said it as well, is kind of a mental lock and load, saying what could potentially happen right now. Sure. And that, that, that certainly sounds like that helps because it, 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 it starts to prepare you for all the things that you, you could be thinking about. Um, 
uh, on particular plays. So um, that, that that's certainly a good way to prepare your mind before each play. So I did want to hit one more because I, I think uh, it, it's one I messed up when we were having our email conversation back and forth. So I want to make sure we uh, we hit it and cover it. And, and you mentioned first touching. And first touching, we're going to do in a completely uh, separate episode um, because I think there's a whole lot we could talk about about just first touching. Yeah, first touching and first touching and fouls. For sure. Yeah, for yep. sure. So that'll be a completely separate episode. So the last one I had was we've got a punt. Um, receiver goes to fair catch it, gives a valid signal, goes to catch it, muffs it, muffs it straight up in the air. And so it bounces, let's say it bounces off his, his hands, his chest, and goes up in the air um, about 10 feet. And in the meantime, the, the gunner comes down on the kicking team, comes down, jumps up in the air, hits the receiver, and snatches the ball out of the air after the muff. Um, now, in, in my interpretation of the rule when I read it, um, I read that the kick had not ended, therefore the fair catch was still valid. You And you pointed right to the proper reading um, in 656 on fair catches, which is that K cannot touch the ball or R, but that does not apply after a scrimmage kick has been touched by a receiver who was clearly beyond the neutral zone at the time of touching. So I, I, I probably would have blown that uh, blown that call on the field if we hadn't had that discussion. Um, now, luckily, I would have had, hopefully, somebody to talk me out of the flag I dropped, um, but uh, that that's the way I think I would have called it. So... Um, in this case, we've got we've got a, a, a fair catch that's been muffed, but at that point, the kicking team can go and get the ball. Um, it is allowed to touch the ball, um, correct? And and allowed to touch the receiver. And allowed to touch the receiver, so, correct? Right. So your I think your mindset, the the goodness of of what you said is that the the precept that a kick is a kick is a kick until the kick ends. Right. So. That's ninety percent of the battle. Is your, you know, your correct, your correct ruling that that the kick had not ended, and that when when the ball gets close to the goal line, and let's say the receiver muffs it, and then it trickles into the into the end zone. How many times have we seen uh, officials let the play continue? Right. When in high school rules, NFHS rules, that ball's dead because the kick crossed the goal line. So. The fact that that it's still a kick, the status is still a kick. Um, the receiver is no longer protected, except for you know personal fouls like a illegal helmet contact or something sure. that is a dangerous. But but yes, the kicking team, they can they can knock that receiver to the ground and and uh, jump on the ball and and possess the ball. They can't advance the ball because the status of the ball is still a kick. But they can definitely possess it after a muff and then snap the ball, you know, be the next to snap the ball. For sure. For sure. So, very good. So, I, that, that I think, is a good – there, there's a thousand things we can talk about about punts, and we barely, we barely scratched the surface on, on scrimmage kicks and punts. Um, but I think that was a good compilation of, of PSK and fair catch and, and kick catch interference. Um, and in, in future episodes, as I said, we'll, we'll go over first touching and, 
and we may even have some other things that, and we've got to talk about field goals as well, um, which is obviously sure. the other type of, of scrimmage kick. So, um, so Mark, uh, any, any last comments about, about that whole situation about punting in general? So it, it's true that kicks, if, if you go three and out, kicks are going to happen 25% of the time, but typically a team isn't going to go three and out that often. Um, unless it's the last Super Bowl. Right. But um, kicks happen enough, and there are enough bizarre plays, and a lot of that is players going in different directions at high speed. So we didn't, we didn't talk at all about um, headhunters and what in Colorado Springs we call them bricks, you know, people that are chasing the play. Um, it seems like it's like they have a brick in their hand and they're going to throw it through a window. For sure. Um, they, it's, it's, it's something where it's, it's easy for an official to only study the easy rules. And what I recommend to new officials when I mentor them is to take your rule book, take the Reading study guide, take whatever document you have and read it word for word and where, where something doesn't make sense. If your spider sense is tingling and it doesn't make sense, is highlight it right in the margins, study it, and then if you still don't know it, then talk to your mentor. Send your mentor an email and say, hey, I was studying Rule 10, and I read this thing about, um, you know, enforcement, and when you force the ball into the end zone or whatever, you know, some of those goofy ones that you never see, could you please explain that to me? Um, and kicks definitely that's that's where you have a lot of of bizarre things that happen during kicking plays right um if you read about the mistakes that that we as officials make across the country many of them are associated with kicking plays and a lot of it is is stuff that needs to be that that you don't see happen a lot so so your 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 memory's not working real well on that and that's why the study the study's got to be there cuz you're just not going to see it um so absolutely. All right. So thank you uh for joining again Mark. I, I greatly appreciate you spending the time with us today. Absolutely. And you're doing such a good thing, Don. I appreciate it and um I I look forward to listening to your next podcast. All right, great. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk again soon, Mark. All right, thank you. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'em Down by Flash Fluority, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.